Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of That Shit Is Poison with your host, Harini Bhatt. And your other host, Megan Gesner. Welcome, welcome. It's episode two of us coming back after Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still basing everything off of Halloween because it was just so fun. I had a timeline. Yeah. That's our timeline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go straight into topics of discussion because I'm just very let's excited about this, Megan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> again, it's stuff I learned on TikTok. <laughs> Great. But, but the reason I'm bringing this to you specifically, you know, mm-hmm. basically our podcast is a conversation between me and Megan that y'all are listening to. So this is mm-hmm. specifically for Megan, <laughs> not for oh, everyone okay, else. Cool, cool. Uh, <laughs> Everyone so, else is just listening. And yeah. Imagine you're like eavesdropping mm-hmm. at a cafe on yes. two people that are sitting behind you. Yes. Actually, okay. when you when you said that, I imagined we're like watching an opera. We're in our Ooh. own box. Ooh. And someone's listening from through the curtain. To our oh, conversation. God. Are we going to get assassinated? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, okay. Or poison. All right. <laughs> Anyways. This, oh. The scene has been set. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes, yes. So I was watching on TikTok about aliens and i know this is a special conversation that megan (laughs) is into i'm Mm. not like a big alien person okay to be honest but i listen to it so i can bring this piece of information back to megan (laughs) okay (laughs) so the tiktok was basically a bunch of clips from some sort of documentary spliced together like the most important bits and pieces it was actually Uh very interesting i'll send it to you later megan But anyways, the whole thing was like a conspiracy theory about Mm. us going to the moon and like what the astronauts actually saw whilst on the moon. Okay. And this was interesting. So all the lines of, I think they had four different lines of communications back to Houston and all of them were public except for one. They had a medical line that was private for like obvious reasons, but there are documents or maybe like voice recordings or something of that sort where once the astronauts landed on the moon, they think that they use the medical line, like the astronauts use the medical line to send information that they didn't want the entire world to know. Mm, okay. And part of that information was that they had seen spacecrafts, like UFO type flying objects that were almost like parked on the mm-hmm. moon within view of them and mm. they didn't know what to make of that but they mm-hmm. were like this looks like a spacecraft like an alien spacecraft and we don't know what to make of this and they use the mm-hmm. medical line to dispatch that back to the united states mm. and the reason why they think this is because like i said there might be might have been documentation of these recordings or these conversations mm-hmm. and then they show clips of when the astronauts come back to the united states and then they're obviously having a press conference it's a huge deal right they're having mm-hmm. a press conference they're talking to the press etc cetera, etc cetera. and if you look at their faces they look like they're going to be sick like mm. they don't look excited at all they look like they've seen a ghost they mm. genuinely look concerned which mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this adds a little more fuel to the fire. <laughs> like, I'm starting to believe this now. <laughs> okay. Like, they literally are looking, like, looking at the ground. They're not looking at the the news people. They just look really concerned, is all I can say. Yes. So after that first mission, we have six more missions, the Apollo missions, right, mm-hmm. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I think the last one was in the 70s, I think 1979. And then we haven't mm-hmm. gone back since. Like, we haven't sent humans back to the moon. 
Right. And the Russians, like we were in the space race, right? So they mm-hmm. were also gathering all their tools, et cetera, to prepare for their mission to the moon, but they ended mm-hmm. up not going. Right. In terms of like a man-made mission. Mm-hmm. They wonder why that is. So they think that something happened, something must have happened when they were on the moon after those six missions. Maybe aliens told them like, do not come back. This is not for you. Uh, mm. Like warning them away. Mm-hmm. I know how this sounds. <laughs> warning them away. <laughs> and they shared this information with the rest of the US, maybe Russia as well. And that's mm. why we have not had any more human missions back to the moon. Mm. That is what Interesting. I Interesting. Okay. <laughs> that's what you um, okay, so I l- appreciate that you brought that to me. <laughs> I don't know what to think. I think it's a fun story, and oh, I yeah? and I am not I'm I'm not doubtful, but I'm skeptical. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. First and foremost, my brain goes. There has been an upwards trend of TikTok being used as an educative piece that sometimes touches on conspiracy theories. And I know that we've had our fair share of moments in doing our own research around toxins and and, um, events that involve mass poisonings or whatever that we're like, oh, shit, like not that we've become conspiracy theorists, but like I, I can I can empathize with the concept of it's okay to be skeptical and to mm-hmm. have theories about these things. Yeah. That being said, <laughs> I would say I, uh, I'd be interested to yeah share that video with me. Already and did. then I, w- wonderful, <laughs> I will do my own deep dive into Please. all this stuff because I know a three minute TikTok video um, can only tell me so much. It's but true. The, the other thing that I did think when you told me about how they're doing the press conference and all the astronauts look like crestfallen or like mm-hmm. sick or whatever, in mm-hmm. my head, I'm like, okay, physiologically, they just came down from space <laughs> after a while. I'm sure there's a lot of um, tiredness I, there. But yeah. thank you for sharing with me. It is an interesting... It, um, I feel like I've heard of this theory in uh like other avenues of media and entertainment um maybe not explicitly i think there's that one cartoon pretty sure it's called in it's it's called invincible on prime video and i think there's a scene where he goes out to like outer space and then there's that like the moon or something where there's that concept of like people were there but they're like it's a secret like you can't bring Mm -hmm, this back and then yeah um but he ruins it but okay so yeah so yeah (laughs) so i will watch this video um wait did you share that with me because you think i'm like a big alien person is that why yeah i thought you liked alien stuff i i do i okay i will say that i i fall into the camp of people who feels very comfortable with the idea that aliens exist and they're out Mm. there i know that there's like many different theories as to why we haven't seen extraterrestrial life or whatever blah 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 but i just feel like i'm in the camp of our universe is so freaking large right doesn't make sense that we'd be the only ones mm-hmm. it could be a interstellar situation where the aliens that we think of are actually us that are just progressed far into right. the future talking to us in the present yeah at the end of the day like yes i believe in aliens 
but I never get too specific into the conspiracy theories because I'm just like, they can be so out there. They they are. They're, they're so out there because we have no information. Like we, yeah. I think of all the things on earth, uh, a thing, knowledge, knowledge base or whatever facts we have, we have the least amount of facts about aliens and like what else is out there. I think that's all of us. Like it, the whole thing is like a conspiracy theory in some way, yeah, I but I know. Um, the the TikTok, if everyone's interested, it's called What Astronauts Saw on the Moon and it's by Science Daily TikTok. And I was just quickly rewatching the beginning because I was like, wait, I don't really remember how they realized of this other transmission, the radio transmission. So how they figured it out was, I guess, these other radio control towers, they were able to intercept secret communications with mission control that came from their medical line. So that's where those are coming from. But again, who knows? And Megan, yeah. you make an incredibly <laughs> astute point that the reason why they may look sick and maybe even want to vomit is because they just came from freaking <laughs> space. They just came from the moon. And that too, the right. very first people to ever come from the moon. So right, right. You're, yes. you're so right. <laughs> and this is why we're uh, friends. We keep each other in check. <laughs> keep each other grounded. Yes. But, you know, no, it's fun. Like, it's one of those things where Harini, you share these things with me, and I'm I have this skepticism. I'm like I don't know, but there is a small part in the back of my head that's I'm so skeptical that I'm like, who am I to doubt this? Like, what if right. this is all true? And right. it's just so freaking out there to us on a like rational level that we deny, like we deny it, but yeah. it actually is fact. But I am also wondering, like, is that how you become a true conspiracy theorist? I mean, it's fun. It's fun to, like, pretend or, like, it is fun. believe it's, that these things are real yeah. or whatever. But it's yeah. definitely, if not real, it's definitely entertaining. At yes, minimum. it is entertaining. It's entertaining. That's all. <laughs> well, I thank you for sharing. Um, no, that's fantastic because uh, this, the topic I want to talk about today kind of goes in line wow. with government cover-ups. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. That's That would be irresponsible, quote-unquote, journalism. <laughs> um, it's not necessarily a cover-up, mm. but it is something that... Um, you know, wasn't really on the national radar. When I say national radar, I mean just like in the public discourse, mm. except for a small community of people sure. for a long time. <clears throat> but um, I'm going to, I'm we're going to transition now. So let's do it. Let's do it. So today um, I actually wanted to talk mm. about burn pits. And, mm. and if you've heard the word burn pit recently, it's because it's becoming a bigger conversation um, amongst veterans and, you know, bills being passed in the Senate White House Congress yeah. <laughs> uh, theater. Mm-hmm. But basically, I just found out about burn pits. And if you have never heard about burn pits before, that totally makes sense based mm-hmm. on the research that I've done and how little it's talked about outside of veteran groups. Uh-huh. Um, in the military. And so, yeah, I'll just get into it. So this is not my own original idea of like, oh, I'm just, you know, Google searching willy nilly and burn pits <laughs> pop up and I want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I actually was inspired by um, John Stewart, his new podcast, The Problem with John Stewart. Um, mm-hmm. It's also an Apple TV. I think it's actually a show too, but I don't have Apple TV, so I don't, <laughs> I don't watch Neither it. Do but I. I do listen to the podcast. Okay. And um, firstly, Listening to John Stewart's The Problem with John Stewart, I 
feel like I quickly realized I was like, oh my, Jon Stewart's podcast might be my Joe Rogan mm. sort of thing. I've said this before. I don't listen to Joe Rogan despite his popularity, but that's because I just like had no interest and yeah, it wasn't same. like an, a, an offense on him. It was just like, I just have same. never bothered to like listen. Jon Stewart obviously... Well, obvious to me, caught my attention because used to watch his show on Comedy Central mm-hmm. years and years ago. John Stewart. Um, and so it was kind of exciting to see him come back. And then listening to his podcast, I was like, he, you know, he's, you know, he leans one way and the other way. And I just felt like, okay, like this could be my equivalent of uh, my, my, how people are infatuated with Joe Rogan mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's an aside. But um, the, what, some people might not know about John Stewart is that he's a huge uh, advocate for veterans mm. and veterans health and making sure they get their disability benefits and just just advocating for their rights. Uh, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. And actually, he has a this is all stated in his podcast. It's actually in, in the first two episodes. But he has a program on his show that's interns veterans. It's like a veteran intern program in entertainment. And so he mm. has that, which I think is really dope. That's so cool. Yeah. But basically I learned about Burn Pits by deciding to listen to his new podcast on a whim. And I thought it was so fascinating. So yeah, so his first two episodes, they're called The Problem with War. I'm the Problem with War. Though. I, I've yeah, never yeah. heard about burn pits at all, so I'm... Yeah, and I'll define it for you. Tying up why I'm bringing John Stewart is that learning about burn pits in his podcast, I was like, this needs to be talked about. It's, I'm sure people who have known about it for the years that they've been happening are like, duh, like, of course it needs to be talked about. But for me, who is a 20-something, some, you know young woman who's never been involved with military or Mm -hmm. and also recognizing that national news really didn't focus on this topic until recently yeah um i think like yes like if i'm going to play a part we should talk about burn pits and what we can do to like you know help that conversation move forward and i'm so ensure that veterans get the help that they need okay yeah so anyway um so what is a burn pit? All right. So burn pits are basically large lot of land where all military junk or trash, basically garbage, mm-hmm. anything that needs to be disposed of is thrown into this pit and then set on fire. Okay. And the military has actually, U.S. military has actually practiced this since like the 1990s mm-hmm. and has been doing this practice for a while but it's specifically in terms of current interests tied to the post 9-11 wars so any vets who were deployed somewhere between 2001 all the way to 2008 that's where a lot of the concern around health comes in and burn pits because mm-hmm. When I say trash and garbage was (laughs) thrown into these pits, I'm going to read you from the original kind of the original damning report that came out from Military Times. Um, Actually, sorry, correction, Army Times. This was written in 2008. Wow, 2008. I'm just going to read. Yeah, this is in 2008. This is when these things were coming to light Mm -hmm. because people were noticing that their respiratory functioning was a little bit off after being deployed in areas where there were burn pits. So 
it's going to be kind of a long passage, but this will tell things better than how I would tell it if I tried to <laughs> summarize it on my own. Sure. So this was written on October 28th, 2008 from Army Times. Here we go. An open air burn pit at the largest U.S. base in Iraq may have exposed tens of thousands of troops, contractors, and Iraqis to cancer-causing dioxins, poisons such as arsenic and carbon monoxide, and hazardous medical waste, documentation gathered by Military Times shows. The billowing black plume from the burn pit at 15-square-mile Joint Base Ballad, the central logistics hub for U.S. forces in Iraq, wafts continually over living quarters in the base combat support hospital, sources say. So uh, imagine your joint base ballot is the largest base at the time in Iraq. And just imagine it's the largest burn pit at that time. And it's just a giant plume of smoke that would go every time they did a burn. And depending on weathering, weather conditions, it would either blow downwind, upwind, or yeah. permeate in the area. Oh so God. anyone who's in that radius could potentially be in the line of smoke. So just that's what the, the visual. And even though the military now has three clean burning incinerators operating there, officials acknowledge that as of midsummer, the burn pit still was taking in 147 tons of waste per day, oh significantly more than half the daily output at Ballad, home to about 25,000 U.S. military personnel and several thousand contractors. Mm. Ballad's average daily output of almost 250 tons of waste is three times higher than the average of 83 tons per day generated by the city of Juneau, Alaska, which has a comparable population. Wow. In a memo dated December 20th, 2006, Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Darren Curtis, former, former bioenvironmental flight commander for Joint Base Ballad, wrote of the burn pit. In my professional opinion, there's an acute health hazard for individuals. There is also the possibility for chronic health hazards associated with the smoke. Okay, it goes further. Most large U.S. installations in Iraq, as well as Afghanistan, have burn pits. A report recently released by the RANCOR think tank concluded that the military has no standard operating procedure or training policy for making sure those pits are operated properly. What? The report said burn pits are one of a number of examples of improper waste disposal by the U.S. military in Iraq and Afghanistan. The burn pit at Ballad has consumed styrofoam, unexploded ordnance, mm -mm. petroleum products, plastics, rubber, dining facility trash, paint and solvents, and medical waste, including amputated limbs, what? according to Curtis's memo. He said contaminants, many highly poisonous, that troops may have been exposed to include benzene, an aircraft fuel known to cause leukemia, arsenic, dichlorofluoromethane, or freon, carbon monoxide, ethyl benzene, formaldehyde, hydrogen cyanide, nitrogen dioxide, sulfuric acid, acid and xylene. Yikes, pick your point. Quote, yep, quote, it is amazing that the burn pit has been able to operate without restrictions over the past few years, Curtis wrote. So that's your introduction to burn pits. Wow. And doing the research on this topic, I recognize that it would be a challenge to stay as, uh, bipartisan is not the word, but as like fair as possible, yeah. because obviously there's a lot of interests at play here. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, as a civilian, my interest is in the 
obviously environmental impact, but also our own veterans were at risk Mm -hmm. and we put them in that position, if that makes sense. Right. So, so when I did this research, I wanted to make sure I did my due diligence and, you know, tried to find the most unbiased stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think at the end of the day, more than anything, you'll find pretty damning, I guess, evidence or damning sympathies that are like, this was a practice that we did and it was not a good practice. Yeah. And what are we doing to ensure that the veterans that were exposed to this are being helped? So I'll tell you what's happened so far with that. So here's an example. Again, uh, most of my sources are from military times and army times. And admittedly, I don't know if they lean a certain political spectrum. You know what I mean? But like, I assume that their interests are in uh, veteran and military interests. So Mm -hmm. that's the, I don't know, side, if that's side is the right word, but that's the side that I want to come from. So that's interesting that the sources that you're citing are coming from the army, military. Is Mm -hmm. And maybe you'll get into this. And if you are, don't, you don't have to answer right now. But is this almost like a whistleblowing thing that's coming out of the military where they are revealing this as happening? They want it to stop. So short answer is no. Okay. Long answer is actually, like I like I had said before, this is something that has been in conversation since mm-hmm. like 2008. Right, um, right. And has been ongoing. And veteran advocacy groups have been pushing for more health or disability benefits in regards mm-hmm. to exposure to burn pits since this time. Okay. But as we know, indigenous and veteran voices are the most marginalized voices in our country. Mm-hmm. And so I am pretty confident. Like I even did a little cursory search to see, okay, in the time span between 2008 and now, mm-hmm. how many times was this really discussed on like prime news networks, sure. CNN, blah, 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 blah. And it really wasn't something that was national conversation until recently or like small small parts in the time like like 2014 yeah and then this year 2021 and that's only when certain bills were coming into play Hmm. but this has been something that's been it's not a whistleblower situation it's something that the government was aware of military personnel was aware of the va is aware of veterans administration is aware of um and there's been movement for a long time to try to get the presumptions in place for veterans who were part of those wars Got it. or did service during that time. Right. And if you do not know what a presumption is, I have the definition here for our listeners. A presumption of service connection is when the VA presumes a veteran's conditions was caused by their military service, Mm. um, usually due to a certain exposure. The presumption of service connection removes the requirement that veterans provide a medical nexus linking their condition to their military service. Mm -hmm. So basically, even though we knew we had burn pits in play since 90s, 2008, whatever, you know, during that, that time, and we knew that there was potential for health hazards mm-hmm. with having the burn pits so close in proximity to bases. The VA has not fully recognized or implemented presumptions for veterans who believe that they've they've for veterans who believe that they've gotten cancer from the exposure to burn pits. Those presumptions are not in place. 
Oh. I'll give you a timeline of how things have gone down since this has become hmm. a concern for veterans and military personnel. But it wasn't until August of this hmm. year that they've added just three presumptions for respiratory illness alone. So anyway, so I'll, I'll get into I'll get into that. But I wanted to give an idea of what the health impacts look like for veterans who are fighting for these presumptions. Wow. Uh, the excerpt mm-hmm. that you wrote, in, uh, not wrote, that you read. Yes. That was overwhelming just hearing that list of toxins and chemicals that are being spewed into the air that people are breathing right. and ingesting right. involuntarily mm-hmm. just because they are stationed there and deployed there. I don't know if you said this, but it appears to me that these burn pits are constantly mm-hmm. happening. Like it's they're constantly burning stuff. So it could be like a continuous wave of smoke that they're in they're ingesting or breathing in for a long periods of time. Like that's so yeah. Yeah. damaging. Yeah. Then I got to a place where I was like, okay, yeah. well, is this a matter of total disregard for our military personnel, th- those that we do deploy? Or is it is it more than that? Because I wanted to put myself, you know, I, I come from a uh, working at a UC institution and I kind of use that as my example of that's its own little. Um, I feel kind of bad using this word, but that's its own little bureaucratic microcosm. How can this compare in parallel to the government mm-hmm. doing what it did with burn pits. And so basically mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, uh, despite me feeling sadness and disappointment and anger coming across this, I was like, well, did we actually, when I say we, I mean the government, did we actually try to make things better for our mm-hmm. veterans? And I think that thought helped keep me a little bit fair and open-minded. But I mean, ultimately the answer is, Yes, there are yeah. efforts, but it it's taken a long time. It's taken a long time. Yeah. Right. And yeah. like, where was that on its the priority list right. for all these years? Like you said, if it's taking a long time, right. there's your answer. Well, okay, so this is, this is me going back to my using my former job at UCSD. But here's an example. I wanted to implement kind of like a identity interest groups, what you would also call affinity groups within our athletic department. Mm-hmm. And that was something that actually was in discussion for a long time within the department. And then 2020 comes around where lots of events around race occurred. George Floyd's murder, Black Lives Matter, things like yeah. that burst, you know, mm-hmm. obviously had been happening mm-hmm. for a while, but then finally really came to a head nationally. And so because of that mm-hmm. trigger, the concept of having an affinity group within the athletics department suddenly came to the forefront. It was like, okay, we should move on this. And yeah. I want to yeah. kind of use that as a parallel to that's how I kind of see the situation. Is it right? Is it wrong? I don't know. But what I'm trying to say is that, like I said, government-wise, VA-wise, Department of Defense-wise, I think that there are people in play who really do care and we're doing the research and trying to make mm-hmm. sure that you know veterans could get their presumptions. But it's not until this year that that's come to a head and now it's at the forefront does that make sense right and it's and maybe there have been people trying to fight the good fight for so long but in a way it's like Mm -hmm. a back burner thing oh yeah that's how i see it no yeah you can only do so much within right that's how i I kind of see it so i'll give you examples of that i just wanted to give an example of what the 
health impacts look like for a number of veterans who were deployed. Okay, so this is from Military Times or military.com. This article starts as such. Air Force Tech Sergeant Amy Muller deployed twice to Ballad Air Base in Iraq, where burn pits were more than 10 acres in size and burned 100 to 200 tons of waste per day. She lost a battle with pancreatic cancer and died at age 36, about 10 years after her last deployment. She is survived by her husband and three children. The average age of pancreatic cancer diagnosis is 70, according to the American Cancer Society. Muller is one of the many veterans who served in the post-9-11 wars and were exposed to burn pits, which were regularly used to dispose of garbage, plastic, jet fuel, paint, vehicles, weapons, and human waste. They were a catch-all disposal solution due to a lack of infrastructure at remote combat outposts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Syria. This is a quote from her husband. I found an old journal of hers about her time in Iraq she had written for her daughter. She wrote about burn pits a lot, said her husband Brian Muller. The ventilators that they used to clean the filters after two days were like black soup, and she wrote about the things they put in burn pits that you shouldn't burn. It didn't make sense that this healthy young woman would get pancreatic cancer. And that was something I was thinking about, too. Like, when you start to list some of the things that they would burn, I'm like, for example, and we kind of talked about this last episode when you were talking about, like, the demolition Mm -hmm. of the house and that would release fumes, like toxic lead fumes, etc. I'm like, there are in other parts of different Mm -hmm. sectors of businesses, etc. There are rules and procedures and processes in place that prevent you from burning certain things for this exact reason so i'm really surprised because a lot of the stuff if not most of the stuff that you listed you should not be burning that for that reason that if you burn it it releases these toxic elements so this is all very mind-blowing to me like i don't understand the the logic behind why they even put this in there in the first place um no i at the end of the day, I don't have the answer to that. I can only repeat what, you know, people involved gave statements as and stuff. But yeah. what I can say summarily is definitely a lack of infrastructure. Thinking about the geographic locations that they were stationed at. I, I want to give clearer examples. So I'm going to continue reading from sources. That That is a good point, though, because you talked about, you mentioned the uh, almost like particulate matter and how that can have an impact. So so this was an interesting thing. Sorry, this is an aside, but it's fresh in my mind, so I'm going to address that. What's interesting yeah. is, in some ways, the reason why explicitly cancers and toxic exposure has been so slow to be recognized by the VA, getting those things via burn pit that has been slow to be recognized by the VA, mm-hmm. is because... In a lot of the studies that were done post-2008, once these concerns were brought up, it was easier to easier to measure particulate matter and how that impacts someone's respiratory system versus toxins in the air and how that could impact long-term mm. giving someone cancer, for example. Yeah. You'll see in gotcha. early studies, you know, studies between 2008 and 2014, where they do... S- huge Mm -hmm. samples of military personnel you'll see more of like there's no direct correlation that we can find between toxins and cancer you know toxins in the air from the burn pit Mm -hmm. and cancer but there's a little bit more evidence of there's particulate matter from dust and whatever is more like physical 
sure. and respiratory infections. And it made me think also about like the Brittany Murphy episode where mm-hmm. there's a theory that like mold killed her. But at the end of the day, the mold wasn't actually a toxin. It was the physical particulate stuff getting on her lungs and giving her not pneumonia, but the the other type of pneumonia. Do you remember? <laughs> it was pneumonitis. That's what it was. Where it's more of yeah. like particles yeah. sticking to your lungs and that causes abrasions and things like that on your lungs and that causes right. pneumonitis. So that was a good episode, y'all. Go so it. it's shitty, but like from a legal standpoint, that's important because <clears throat> particulate matter is different from a toxin. And that's why it might be right. slow for certain bills to be passed when you can't really find evidence that toxins are causing these cancers. On that note, though, there is a study uh, that I pulled up where it was one of these studies where it's like, well, we really can't find a correlation. But in the study, they did have like, you know, one of those, you know, in a proper research study, you always have the discussion at the end and then you talk about what were our limitations. Well, they did end up finding that there in in this particular study they were researching impacts on health of military personnel who were 5 miles away from a burn pit versus 3 miles away from a burn pit versus 2 miles and obviously those variables are important because just like you said it could be how far are you from it what's the distance what's the weather mm-hmm. like are you downwind or upwind or is mm-hmm. it just permeating whatever all that stuff is it is there moisture yep. in the air how long is this burn pit burning? How long are you staying next to the burn pit? Mm-hmm. All those variables come to play. But this study so yeah. ultimately found that if you were deployed three miles from a burn pit, there wasn't any correlated health effects. But for a small group of Air Force members who were deployed two miles near a burn pit, they found a marginally significant correlation on their health effects and their respiratory okay. breathing. They couldn't speak. Here was their limitation. They couldn't speak on army personnel who were deployed two miles because not enough people responded to the survey or followed up on the survey. Uh, and so that's like already like they tried their best, but like, you know, they, they couldn't right. get an answer in general. Right. This is all, another reason why things might be slow, because they're trying to they're putting in the effort to get these studies mm-hmm. done. That's so interesting to me. And um, kind of going back to well, like what I was saying about all these procedures in place here, it just brings to mind, and I think you may have said this already, but it appears that these burn pits are not happening in the U.S. Or, no. or are there? It's, it's overseas. Overseas, yeah. right? It's because it is, it is okay. illegal. That may have it's, a lot to do with that. You are right. Yeah. It is. Uh, yeah. This is where I was, when you brought that up, I'll go to a PBS article next. But it is illegal in the U.S. to burn trash mm-hmm. the way that they did in burn pits. Why do you think that right. is? Because we know that it causes an yeah. environmental effect and it's probably a health effect to so civilians. That's so, 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 but there still are people there. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whose yes. people are there, but there's still U.S. personnel, military, servicemen, who, women, right. whoever, that are stationed there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. That- it's, um, it's frustrating to, to know about, and that, that's something that we did. But, like, why? So the question is, like, why did we employ this practice, yeah. knowing full well that we don't do it on our own soil? And this is, again, where I want to be fair. Like, it sounds shitty and it's like, why are we not protecting our military personnel over there if, like, we don't do it on our own soil? Here are the reasons. I'm not defending these reasons. I'm just saying this is this is people's reasoning. Sure. Okay, okay, so this is a 
interview from November 17th, 2014 on uh, PBS NewsHour. If we can, we'll, we'll put this in the notes or the episode notes or something because I think yeah, it, uh, sure. I was going to say earlier like hopefully at the end we can discuss what we can do but I'll just say it now mm-hmm. I don't have the answer I think it's the the best that you can do is just pay attention and so I want to share some of these resources so that you just get a better understanding of what the heck was happening and why and all that and um yeah. So so hopefully we, we can put this in the episode notes. For context in this interview, the reporter, Hari Srinivasan, he interviews three different veterans, three different veterans who were deployed in an area where there were burn pits. And these three specific veterans are suing Kellogg, Brown and Root, also known as KBR, which is the company that was contracted to dispose of all military waste in these areas. So fun fact, and this is where I kind of started going down a rabbit hole of corporatism and all the evils that happened there. But KBR, Kellogg, Brown and Root is a subsidiary of Halliburton. And they were contracted to provide logistical support to the military in Iraq and Afghanistan. It was KBR's mm-hmm. job to truck in supplies, feed troops, and get rid of the garbage. Okay. Yeah. So immediately I see the name Halliburton <laughs> and my hackles go up. And and I'm thinking yeah. something sinister is happening here. But uh, alas, what's cool about this <laughs> PBS NewsHour interview is that it stays pretty impartial. It just kind of like states the fact, which is different from nowadays. So... Um, So anyway, these three vets, they're suing KBR. Their lead attorney, Suzanne Burke, she kind of has the same uh, sentiments as you, Harini. She she goes, we have outlawed burning of waste in this country for decades. When she says this country, she means the U.S. You cannot go in your backyard Mm -hmm. and burn all your trash in a bucket. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is that it's known to be harmful to human health. And then Hari, um, you know, responds. Susan Burke is a lead attorney of the class action lawsuit. She says KBR was negligent and made the service members sick. You know, her argument as a lead attorney for suing KBR, she goes, one of the things that they promised to do was to take care of the waste, to dispose of the waste in a manner that wasn't harmful to the troops. They didn't do that. So the complaint alleges that Mm -hmm. that open air burning, which violated the terms of contract, caused these injuries. In response is the KBR attorney, Robert Matthews, and he goes, that's completely false. We exactly lived up to our contractual promise. Robert Matthews is the lead counsel for KBR. He points to a letter from the commander of coalition forces in Iraq, General David Petro, to Congress written in 2008. So remember, this is an interview in 2014. He's referencing a a letter from 2008. The letter says, quote, there is and will continue to be a need for burn pits during contingency operations. The Government Accountability Office issued a report confirming that the top military commanders approved the use of these open-air fires. Robert Matthews then says, mm. The decisions to use burn pits were made by senior military rank across these war theaters. Matthews says other alternatives were not feasible. Burying the refuse off base was too risky, Burying it on base, well, there wasn't enough space. There was no recycling in Iraq and Afghanistan, and it was up to the military to decide if it wanted to bring in incinerators, which burn cleanly. He says historically, the army always burned its garbage in war zones because it's the least bad option. Um, Robert Matthewson says, 
More than 50% of the burn pits that are in play around Iraq and Afghanistan through that 10-year period were operated by the military itself, not by KBR or other contractors. So that's just kind of interesting, right? Like, I don't know what to make of it because... I'm not there making those decisions or witnessing that. Or it's one of those things, Harini, where reading all this, I'm like, the end goal in my brain is to ensure that the veterans get what they need um, and make sure that their families are protected, too. If, you know, their spouse or loved one ends up dying Mm -hmm. because of a cancer that was caused by a burn pit. But then I'm not saying but there Mm -hmm. is the other side of just how did we get here? Why did we get here? Kind of seems like people just pointing fingers at each other and not wanting to take accountability. But maybe it's not that easy. Like, maybe it isn't that easy. So it's just just as an educational moment for me. I wish things were faster. But I just I'm not hopeful with like, let's say another situation like this were to come up in the future. Like, let's say this is resolved, quote unquote, resolved which is shitty because people are already sick. You know, yeah. the the sickness, the damage is done. Right. It's and the least we can do is get done. them their presumptions. But if this yeah. were to hypothetically happen again, where we do something that is a bad practice and it has collateral damage, I'm like not hopeful. I just think we'll continue to be slow. <laughs> oh, so. yeah. And like, at least as far as this particular article that you read, like in some ways, I don't blame kbr like in some ways like they're just the middleman in this whole thing like they're the messenger like they were just a company that was contracted out to do the bad deed but someone had to hire that company to do that and that to me makes sense like there are the higher ranking military officials who signed off on that right yeah who else is going to sign off on that right like maybe not if not them ultimately i guess the president i don't know right so it, it really just falls like all in line to people within our government, as you said, yeah. who are making these decisions poorly, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, if like they're saying like there's a, there weren't any other better options, I would like to look more into like, why was the clean incinerator not a viable option right. at that time? Is it expensive? Is it too much to ship over or like whatever? Right. But it doesn't, I feel like no matter what, that is worth the cost or worth the effort compared to the alternative right which is the burn pit yeah yeah and it's just one of those things where i'm like where does the buck stop ultimately because yes kbr based on what was said by their attorney they're just following orders right but at the same time Mm -hmm. i'm like Mm -hmm. is there a moral correct implication there by just following orders too like could they anyone who's in that chain of command could have Mm -hmm. done something but Agreed. what is that, you know, what is that pressure like to be, a, um, let's say you're an employee of KBR, you know what I mean? Like, it's so... Like, how far does it go? Right. Right? Like, even if the the high-ranking military officials don't agree with it, then they have to answer to their boss, who is the president. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It just depends on, like, what's going on at the time, right? right. And what the political climate feels like, what people are saying. Because, I, I'm like, we understand not everything is just on the president. Like, there's groups and political factions that are moving these um, bills forward or these decisions forward and sometimes you don't have a lot of room to wiggle and speak your speak what you believe in you kind of have to play the game right um it's just a little unfortunate because i don't really understand the logic behind this yeah uh, ultimately yeah but 
you know, like you said, damage is done. Yeah. All we can do is continue to speak out about it and help get the veterans, as you said, what they need yeah. in terms of presumptions and right. so on. Yeah, it's all around unfortunate. This is the thing that ultimately lingered in my head. And it's one of those things where I'm like, I recognize I need more education on this. And maybe someone can give me a schooling on this or whatever. But yeah. when they say lack of infrastructure or even when it came down to the decision to bring in clean incinerators and why that was a hard decision or whatever. In my head, I'm like, is not our military slash army, whatever, the most expensive, most funded entity in our in our in our nation our government and stuff and so that's what perplexes me because i'm like if we have all this money why Mm -hmm. is it hard to build infrastructure for something like disposing of garbage when we're at in another country at war years maybe that's an ignorant question to people who know the answer but like i truly want to know yeah like what's our taxpayer dollars going to sort of thing no and and i think you bring up a good point like i don't think either of us are experts on this even after doing some research on it so poison pals if you are in the military army etc and have more information on burn pits and what the status is or any information really on it or if you know somebody personally don't know but you know someone who might we would love an education if you wanted to email us at that shows poison gmail.com just any information would be a would be great (laughs) to shed some more light on this right so i'm going to try to wrap it basically that this was not uh, i mean no i felt like this was like a typical episode but it wasn't typical in a sense of like the the toxin is a cocktail basically and the cause is burn pits and that's the focus the goal wasn't necessarily to get into politics per se but that's unavoidable um in many ways Mm -hmm. but what i want to wrap with is where are we with burn pits are they still in existence what's the timeline like and why is this a big conversation today and why is it becoming something that's more of a headline on main news networks today okay first of all during the time where burn pits were like widely used uh between that you know post 9-11 war era one source I got, there were about 65 locations that were in use across wow. multiple countries in the Middle East and uh, Africa. In 2009, President Barack Obama calls on federal agencies to consult. Basically, President Barack Obama calls on federal agencies to consult recent scientific findings regarding burn pits to protect U.S. military personnel. So there's mm-hmm. there is something from the president at the time being like we need to do some consultation on this and what are our findings is it causing health impacts so that was the start right. November of okay. 2009 Veterans Administration and the National Academy of Sciences Institute of Medicine begin an 18 month study to determine the long term health effects of exposure to burn pits in Iraq and Afghanistan okay this is within that 18 months February 2010, the VA, the Department of Defense, and the Board on the Health of Select Populations of the Institute of Medicine form a committee called the Committee on Long-Term Health Consequences of Exposure to Burn Pits in Iraq and Afghanistan. So they basically, they commit to the study and then they create a committee to continue this study. In 2011, at the tail end of their 18-month research, they create a report called the long-term health consequences of exposure to burn pits in Iraq and Afghanistan. They released that report. They note that levels of particulate matter were higher than generally considered safe by U.S. regulatory agencies. So they do acknowledge that. Yeah. 
They concluded that there is only limited evidence suggestive of an association between exposure to combustion products and reduced pulmonary function in these populations. If there is sufficient evidence of a connection between exposure to burn pits and subsequent illnesses and disability, it might serve as the basis for congressional enactment of a presumption of service connection, similar to that in place for exposure to Agent Orange. So to paraphrase mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. they basically are like we have proofs proof of harm from particulate matter but we need further evidence for other things that might have caused disability if that evidence comes to light then we will consider presumption of service connection but that would have to go through congress okay yeah that's a paraphrase of that in 2013 president obama then signs the national burn pit registry into law as part of the dignified burial and veterans benefit improvement act of 2012 so what that means is he signs this burn burn pit registry into law, and by 2014, the VA then creates the Veteran Affairs Airborne Hazards and Open Burn Pit Registry. So the VA has to respond to that, what President Obama signed yeah. into law. They open up this registry in order to gather information. So any veterans who feel that they've been impacted by burn pits, they can register onto this and enter information or answer um, like surveys and things like that so that the VA can gather information on their health. Yeah. And this is open to anyone who was in, I'm going to use the military language for the wars, but Operation Enduring Freedom, Operation Iraqi Freedom or Operation Udon or the 1990 to 1991 Gulf Wars. Anyone who is in okay. those deployed during those time can right. be on the registry or apply to the registry. As of December 31st, 2019, 186, uh, 186,051 veterans and active duty members have completed the questionnaire since 2014. Mm. So, wow. Yeah. Um, 2018, President Trump signs. The Helping Vets Exposed to Burn Pits Act. I uh, don't know anything about that. Didn't know that was something that happened, right? One of those things that just gets pushed aside by mainstream media because it doesn't Mm -hmm. benefit their narrative. 2021, April 13th, U.S. Senator Marco Rubio, U.S. Senator of Florida, he delivers an address at a press conference to announce the landmark legislation the Presumptive Benefits for Warfighters Exposed to Burn Pits and Other Toxins Act. This is Senate Bill 952. Wow. And John Stewart was someone who was there to back Senator Rubio with creating this wow. this bill. So I'm learning so much. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where it's like, it's an education. Like, we're so used it's to an education, yeah. being one side or the other. But sometimes that is not the case, right? Like, so anyway, yeah. again, not trying to totally focus on politics but with how these acts have to move forward we have to talk about politics yeah um Mm -hmm. this particular bill was backed by senator marco rubio um senator kirsten gillibrand who's the democratic democratic senator of new york veterans advocate john stewart u.s congressman raul ruiz who is um a congressman for the democratic congressman for california brian fitzpatrick republican representative for pennsylvania the bill would streamline the process for veterans to obtain VA benefits for burn pits and other toxic exposures by removing the burden of proof required by the VA to prove a service member's service member's exposure. So basically just making mm-hmm. it easy for them to yeah. to basically go to the VA and be believed that I yeah. got cancer thing. because mm-hmm. of this and then they can yeah. get the help they need. In August of 2021, 
The VA added the three presumptive conditions related to particulate matter exposure. Those are asthma, thinnitus, and sinusitis. So that's a recent change. They finally Hmm. were like, oh, yes, your respiratory problems were probably caused by burn pits. And now you can get presumptive benefits this year. What's the math? 2008, 13, 13 years. It's a long ass time to be dealing with long time to be dealing with at least lung problems um, and not being which which would probably happen almost right away. Right. Within like a few months, maybe six months. Right. And then you have cancer coming down the line a few years later. Like that's just horrible. But I'm glad that those presumptions are in place now. Right. And then finally, and this is actually why it's become a more spoken about topic Mm -hmm. in national news coverage is because this past Veterans Day, November 11th, 2021, uh, President Joe Biden ordered the Department of Veterans Affairs to review the research into several rare cancers to determine whether they could be caused by exposure to toxins during military service, specifically burn pits. I read this in several areas, and I guess I guess this is like supposed to be basically I read in several articles that with this decision, President Biden has mentioned like his own son was a service member and died of cancer. And there's he believes that he might have been exposed to burn pits. So in certain articles, they you know, there's the writing that's like it's personal for Biden and blah, blah, blah. And they try to make it all inflammatory. But I think there's truth to that, that he probably has in some personal investment in wanting to make this something that the VA is serious about. So so what does that mean with his with his request? Because it's not like a bill or anything. He's basically just putting pressure on the VA to start considering are there cancers related to toxins from the burn pits if the VA determines there's enough evidence to support a connection the department could create a fast track to health care and disability compensation for vet- veterans suffering from the cancers Biden has given the agency 90 days to provide its recommendations so they wow, have 90 quick. days to pull this research together <laughs> and say yes or no but that's the sad thing is that it's cool it's a cool statement it's cool that he's putting pressure but it might have zero (laughs) outcome you know what i mean so yeah you don't want to rush them to results that may or may not be beneficial or or just like it may not be productive like you don't want to rush these things yeah well, to, and, and I, I understand that it's been taken so long already. Right. Maybe that's the reason behind why he's putting a lot of pressure and putting a, a, a tight deadline yeah. on that. But just got to be careful. Yeah. How you do it. To, to me, it's rush or no rush. It's this concept of, OK, well, what if they come back and like we genuinely don't find a connection? Right. Like we then then what? But because like it's yeah. it's sad because I believe the testimonies essentially that these young military personnel, like the woman who was 36 who died of pancreatic mm-hmm. cancer, pancreatic cancer is something that typically 70 year old people get. Like you have to be in that age yeah. range and you hear multiple stories like that. The most recent podcast episode uh, on John Stewart's podcast that I haven't listened to yet, but I will after he interviews staff Sergeant Wesley black who was in his forties and learned that he had stage four colon cancer out of the blue. Oh. And literally this, this podcast episode dropped on veterans day 
Sergeant Wesley Black, he passed away just two days after he did this interview. And so it's, I mean, that's, I'm pulling at heartstrings or whatever, but there's a lot of these stories, like these testimonies of Mm, people at absurdly young age who were deployed near burn pits, finding out that they have these very enhanced cancers. I would be really saddened if the VA in 90 days doesn't find a correlation because then you have a point, Harini, like maybe, maybe if they had more time, they could really dig something up, but I don't know. I don't know. That's all. That's all I had to say. (laughs) And yeah, no, no, I, I agree with that. And I know we're wrapping this up, but the one thing, last thing I had to say is first of all, this has been a really big education and Megan, thank you for deciding to do a story on this because I don't think a lot of people are talking about it and I think it's amazing that Jon Stewart is taking his platform to speak on it but we can do our little part too (laughs) what I was gonna say in terms of like how you're saying like I don't want to like focus on politics and Mm -hmm. but you know you saying how Biden started to do this and they're kind of being like oh like it's a personal thing and that's why he's focusing on it mm-hmm. i'm like i actually don't believe that like mm-hmm. now that you put everything into context and you're kind of giving us this timeline mm-hmm. i actually think he's c- carrying on the yeah. work that other presidents have put in place or have been working on yeah and as horrible as this information is that we're all learning mm-hmm. on this podcast episode today and the small silver lining that i take away is yes it's unfortunate that it's taken so long for us to get here, but it is clear to me from from the information you presented, there is focus and resources and research being mm-hmm. pushed onto this to figure out what the heck is going on. Mm-hmm. And it's it's great to see that both sides of the spectrum, both Republicans and Democrats, are continuing that good work. Yes, right, exactly. It, it's it's not a part a partisan. Mm-hmm. issue it's an everybody issue which is really nice to see in this how we should do it especially john stewart backing marco rubio mm-hmm. and Mar- marco rubio himself bringing this to light and speaking on it that's that makes me yeah. um feel a little bit you know have some peace of mind about the whole situation yeah and i i hope it just continues is is, is all i can say right right yeah, so I highly encourage uh, anyone who's interested, listen to those first two episodes of John Stewart's podcast, and then I'll join you in listening to the third episode. At the end of the day, it's extremely heartbreaking, and it makes me, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, when we say, you know, thank you for your service, or this this sentiment, this nationalistic mm-hmm. sentiment of our soldiers, our heroes, and blah, 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 but I'm like... It feels gross when we say that knowing that our own governance has put them in a position to be harmed beyond just mm-hmm. combat. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we we so love you and we respect you and you are heroes to us. But why don't you sleep with your head next to this burn pit? You know, like, I, right. it feels weird and right. it's it doesn't feel good. Yes, they are giving their lives and they may they may sign up when mm-hmm. they join to give up their lives in service of our country, but not like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I think even even in regular combat, that is also very, very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what we want to thank them for, because mm-hmm. we are not out there risking our lives. Right. We're not signing up to go do that. But they also did not sign up for this. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. So I think that needs to be acknowledged as much as possible. And the least we can do is make sure they have the right medical mm-hmm. services provided to them at 
hopefully little to no cost yeah for as long as they need and compensation for their families as you said it's the least that we could do yeah like I said, if you're interested in further education or what's an additional thing that you could do, I think there's a nonprofit called Burn Pits 360, or it's more of like a, a fact. They basically give you all the facts on what burn pits are and all that. Um, from mm-hmm. There were a couple other nonprofits, but I kind of like, you never know where certain things you might lead, if they're... they're as genuine in some ways, but I felt like Burn Pits 360 is a good place to start if you want to educate yourself. And then also just keep your eyes on that Senate Bill 952. The shortened version is just S952, but that's the Presumptive Benefits for Warfighters Exposed to Burn Pits and Other Toxins Act. Just keep your eyes and ears open for that and follow along and see what happens with that. That's pretty much it. (laughs) Wow. 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 I'm definitely going to keep track on that. And I think... Megan, maybe we can also keep track as a podcast if yeah. once those 90 days are up and see if we can report back on the findings. I, I think everyone would be interested after listening to this episode. Absolutely. All right. Awesome. Shall we get into Let's our antidotes? Let's after get into you? antidotes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mine's an easy one. My antidote is I got to spend the last 10 days or so on the east coast in virginia which is the first time i've been there it was beautiful because it's just around the time where the leaves are starting to change Mm. and we don't have seasons in san diego (laughs) so it was uh, it was a pleasant uh change for me to experience that but more than that uh we got to spend some really nice quality time with dave's side of the family Mm -hmm. during an indian holiday which we don't usually get to spend with family uh, which was diwali and actually dave's mom pointed out to me she was like, this is a very special Diwali because it's the first time I'm spending it with both my kids in 21 years. So Aww. I was very happy for her. She was so happy to have a full home and be with her family. So that was really nice. And I just want to put it out there that I'm so lucky to have been married into a wonderful Aww. family and have amazing parents-in-law who are like I my parents. That. They're so I'm very lucky. I'm very, very lucky. So all around, my heart is full. So that's my antidote. That is a lovely, lovely antidote. And that makes me feel good <laughs> listening to it. <laughs> that is so sweet. That is, um, I mean, for me personally, that is the dream to <laughs> just, you know, if you if you can control having in-laws that love mm. you as much as you love, you know, like, or whatever, yeah. having just good in-law chemistry right that's really something special um and it i'm not is. putting it's, down it's not, anyone yeah. who who feels like they don't have that i mean it is what it is but like if, right uh, i feel like that's a good situation and i'm really happy that you feel that way so yeah, yeah. i i recognize that's not everyone's situation so i'm i'm extra grateful <laughs> that, I, that i have a good thing going so yeah, yeah that's awesome um let's see I'm just going to go with my antidote is that I really enjoyed doing the research for this particular episode. Ah, That's pretty much it. Like, um, I feel like I've learned a lot and I feel like I've grown. (laughs) So that's my antidote. Yeah. Great. Mm -hmm. I love that antidote. It's always nice to learn and educate yourself and especially when it's a good cause. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I... (laughs) feel like it, take us i'm gonna try take to take it away it doesn't feel appropriate in I many know, ways i know uh, i know you don't the have to, levi- you don't want the, to yeah the heaviness of it all um and we, didn't, we didn't really make any like jokes to lighten the mood we either, did not so this was a pretty this was this was a serious one. Oh, i feel like 
we sh- we should try. We should try. Uh, okay. Don't risk it for that bureaucratic biscuit. <laughs> okay, I thought you were gonna say don't risk it for that burning Burn biscuit. Uh, yeah. No, just, just don't. <laughs> just, just don't. Just don't. All around, no. Nope. Just no. Nope. But yeah, I love it. Okay, <laughs> thanks, guys, so much. If you like this episode, please rate and review and subscribe. Do all the things. I haven't said this in a while, but we have our Instagram. If you're just catching us on the pod and you're a pure listener, then we have an Instagram. That shit is poison on yeah, IG, and uh, we also have a TikTok, which I post occasional videos that may have love no it. correlation to one another. So follow <laughs> us on there on that shit is poison. Pod podcast on TikTok. We love y'all and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Peace.